Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. This is Dumbly Dum, the show about the reality docu drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the gold carriage clock that is Royfield <laughs> Brown, and with me I have the inadequate pension that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our retirement package, folks, is you. Now, today's rendition of Dumbly Dum was sent in by Claire from Scotland via Canada and some bubbles. Lucy, mm-hmm. oh, that was that was quite sweet, very endearing. Uh, can you remind our listeners all over the globe? all over planet Earth, how they can win the accolade of Dumb de Dumber of the Week. Though I've got some Dumb de Dum news, which I'll tell you about afterwards. Uh, yes, if you'd like to sing us a Dumb de Dum, give us a plot prediction, or have a go on the Sweetie Carousel. Ring us on 0203031105, or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us, and to Derek for in the back bedroom. Derek has been practising with the Morris dancers all week. But he got a bit carried away in the fertility dance and now his handkerchief of purity is all sticky. <laughs> does your mum actually listen to Dumpty Dum? Does my, my what? She does, yes. I, you can look her straight in the eye afterwards, <laughs> can you? <laughs> but the thing is, she's going to... She says this doesn't happen, but I think she thinks they're only about 15 minutes long because she falls asleep. Uh, quite soon into it, and then because she listens to it late at night, and then and then she wakes up at the end. So she's always quite quick this week, wasn't it? <laughs> Sounds like me in the latest Marvel superhero movie. Oh really? Mm, you nodded off. I have trouble staying awake at, at movies, but that's another conversation because I don't get diverted now. I just stay no. on message and on track oh. when I do Dum de Dum. And <laughs> guess what? We're gonna have Dum de Dums galore. Are we? Why? Yes, because your boy, Andrew Horn, yeah. and Dusty Substances both came up with the same idea, independent of each other, which is tomorrow at tomorrow's do, 
get everybody to sing a joint dum-de-dum and individual dum-de-dums. Oh, oh God, we'll have millions. Absolutely. And Andrew Horn says, I've conducted many a choir, Roy Field, so don't worry, I'll take it in hand. Yes, he's a... uh, uh, surplus to requirements. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, he was an ex ex choir boy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm most looking forward to meeting everybody tomorrow. But and I'm really jealous. Well, we're going to drink in your honour. We're going to have a little tipple in your honour, Lucy. And it's not. I'm drinking in my own honour tonight. I tell you, I'm so oh, fed yeah. up with packing. I've hit the beer already. <laughs> Where are you off to? Um, I am going on a barge holiday. Which would basically be a week of me shouting, come away from the edge. Uh, yes, it's going to be fantastically stressful, I think. But everyone keeps telling me, oh, what fun it will be. So I'm trying to believe them. It's my well, own inner voice. Will you like crack open a bottle of champagne when you pass the equator? <laughs> can you can you marry people on there? I'll tell you what, I will crack open a bottle of champagne when I've got through the first lock without drowning. That will do. Well done. Now, on I'll smash it open on the lock itself. Hmm. Tweet us a picture. (laughs) On this week's show, we have Jacqueline Berto, who thinks that Debbie is smooth. Yokel Bear, who is Lucy's twin, but without the boobs. Calypso Archibald, who thinks Brian is unprofessional. Claire from Scotland via Canada, who's territorial. Andrew Horn, who can't be asked, And Goddess Diva, who's getting engaged. And we have a special missive from Fifi Fanshawe, who we haven't heard of for quite some time, is thoroughly sick of Kate. But it's our fault that we haven't heard from her for quite some time because she sent it in two weeks ago and we kept forgetting to put it on. I'm sorry, Fifi. I concur with our Lucy. (laughs) Very sorry, Miss Fanshawe. But first, before we get to all the caller inners, let's have a little bit of loose and our last week in Ambridge. claimed to have heard Frieda telling him to pull himself together. I wish he'd have a word with Kenton too. <laughs> Ash, the architect, wants to show Kenton the plans for the new kitchen. It just needs a huge freezer, a huge microwave and a huge deep fat fryer. I wish I had the energy to beat the cake like that, said Jenny Darling enviously. Ah, oh, well, I've learned a lot from Alex, said Phoebe. Jenny Darling said it was hard to imagine Mike without trees. Yes, Mike without wood. Sad times. Uh, Carol Toboggan has lost her ex-neighbour's husband. Thoughts go out, etc, etc. I don't know how she keeps going. I really don't. Susan has been reading Retail Week and wants to update the shop layout. There was a bottleneck by the biscuits, apparently. That'll be Fat Paul. They're going to have a red light outside, which might attract entirely the wrong sort of clientele anxious to enjoy a custard cream. Jim wants to move away from sweet carousels as the sherbet dips used to make too much noise as they whizzed around on their little horses. Susan wants collapsible bread cup baskets to attract people to her collapsible bread. Jim went a step further and wanted hypothetical collapsible bread baskets. Pat came to have a look and carried on pretending she'd never met anyone before. Hello, I'm Pat. I own this farm, I think. Have we met? Over at home farm... Ed Viga has apparently got big muscles and kept squashing strawberries, so Adam moved him onto something else, or possibly her. Naughty Debbie is making Machiavelli look straightforward by telling Adam she'd poach him, then warning Brian that he might lose Adam. Then she completely lost her mind and announced that she was going to invest in her talented sister. No, not the wedding planning astrophysicist. Kate. Talented. Kate. 
<clears throat> the three <laughs> sisters went for a ride together and there was a lot of, are you all right, Debbie? Yes, I'm fine, Alice. Can you get that, Kate? Kate? Just to make sure we didn't get confused as we are a bit thick. Horses always come first with Chris, apparently, which is probably why he gets paid the big money, especially when he's wearing that leather apron. So it's pip, pip, pip. She's off to Brazil, where the nuts come from. One for the kids there. The fate worse than death went well, and Kirsty was there. Kirsty and Debbie in the same episode. Two of Ambridge's mightiest women. Linda dressed up as a milkmaid, Robert dressed up as a mole, and Elizabeth dressed up as a 99 and charged people 10p a lick. Ruth's <laughs> hit the drink and has started hanging round bars in Jesmond. Usha went up to see her. I've run out of clothes, says Ruth cheerfully. I could tell, said Usha, backing away with her hand over her nose. Poor old Heather cannot even be controlled by a warden now. She's like a wild beast, cantering hither and thither across Newcastle, waving her dentures around. But it's all right, because she's now met someone called Marvin House, who's going to look after her. Toby has started feeding the goslings with chives, so they now come ready stuffed. He's quite up for stuffing Pip, too, it seems. While he was salsering Pip around Hollow Tree, Charlie was wittering on about maize and grass mix to Brian and muddling the poor old sod up, who just wants to be left alone to run his million-pound business from the comfort of his Parker Knoll and his Lafrague. And I know just how he feels. The end. Oh, you, you kind of... You got smaller at the end there, Lucy. Normally you go, the end! And it's like, you, you look like a Shakespearean like, actor. But you, 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 hmm. Why Did I was go that? Innuendo at the end. Well, I just you know it normally because you know I normally not like nod off or like search on yeah. my phone for Quora dot com or something. But normally, like you wake me up with a proper start. Oh, sorry. So it's a good job. I was actually listening this week. I'll fire some sort of starting pistol or something. <laughs> no, I listened to every word. I was wrapped. Absolutely right. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was very good this week, actually. Good. Thank you. Mm. Now, yes. Um, Kate. Yes. One of our listeners, one of our most trusted and lovely listeners, has done mm. a most excellent Ambridge English dictionary about our Kate. Oh, Roops. Yes. Yes, which we'll mention right at In the end of the show. Kate, eat. Mm -hmm. drinking a bottle of wine before your guests even arrive. I love that. <laughs> And other people on the Twitters, on yeah. the new website, uh, have started to join in because it is proper funny and very clever. But we'll come to Mr. Rupert Brunn and his Ambridge English Dictionary at the end of the show. Okie doke. Um, thoughts and feelings on uh, this week's goings-on in Borsetshire? Well, I kind of found myself feeling a little bit sympathetic with Kate. Which I'm the words have left my mouth now, and I'm already embarrassed. <laughs> it's sort of I, I felt very sorry for Debbie because of her saying that she'd. I think I think the 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 subtext was that she'd gone uh, she'd gone through the menopause and, and and was now unable to have children or was going through the menopause and couldn't have children anymore. Because um, she sort of said that ship has sailed, didn't she? Mm. Um. I mean, I think she's out of her mind describing Kate as talented, but I suppose maybe if you say to somebody, look, I think you have got potential, no matter how disastrously you've handled everything so far, I still think that you have got a chance. You know, that's all you can do, really. You can't just keep saying to somebody, look, you're an absolute knob, just, you know, pack it in and give up because 
but you know nobody can you you have to keep going somehow um but i don't believe what she said about um lucas and um him you, you know it, it, him setting the children against her and all that stuff um I don't know. There she was something. She say... just sounded like she was actually being honest for once, rather than just megalomaniac. Mm. She did say before that it was Lucas's family that had actually turned mm -hmm. her against the kids when she first came back, didn't she? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I thought that scene was quite touching and actually quite believable. That Debbie yeah. would say, "You know what? I kind of believe in you." I think Debbie realizes that Kate kind of has no one. There's no one in a corner at all, yeah. and. I wouldn't call what Kate has talent, but she's definitely passionate about her yes. egocentric, solipsistic world. Mm. And if she can widen that out very slightly to uh, create a set of services of which other people can get benefit from, of which she knows, understands and believes in, you mm. know what? Spot on giving her money because she'll be absolutely mono focused in you know in making that business work if she can do the business of business as opposed to what i think th yes i think she'd be very very good at persuading people to do silly yoga classes and reiki and all that pants but it's the you know who i cannot yoga, ever see her yoga doing a is pants is it well no yoga's not reiki is but uh, you know it's i can't see her doing the tax return i can't see her doing the vat i can't see her paying people's national insurance i can't see her sorting out rotors and all that she's a saleswoman because she's got that level of enthusiasm and and and, and passion like you said she genuinely believes that if everybody was more like her the world would be a better place uh which is a very dangerous thing to think but you know it's 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 how the thing is actually going to run on a day-to-day basis that's what i can't see at all mm. well th there's no two ways about it she couldn't run the business the business of the business on her own she could uh program the different mm. types of events she could conceptually put it all together she could you know she'd be a great lead that way but actually see, i think she might get linda to to manage it that I could, is I could very clear, yes. Because Linda is kind of believes in all that as well, is sort mm. of into that, and is super organised and stuff, and is hanging around. And then Roy can take on Linda's job. Linda can work with Kate. Lucy, have you yeah. just thought about this now? Yeah. No, Why? you haven't. I have. Have you really just thought about these musical chairs in Ambridge? Yes. I'm, I'm quite impressed. Don't anyway, be, go on. Don't don't let me break wrong. your train of thought. I go do on. I think though that and Adam is gonna is gonna take over at the ball. Adam? Adam's gonna add, uh, not Adam. Sorry, Ian is gonna become the executive chef at the ball. Is this after Kenton's given it its super duper upgrade? Yes. Mm. Yes. I think you're off beam there, but oh really? Mm. You were mm. impressing me up until that point. Everything <laughs> you've said in this episode has been impressive until that. That's not happening. He's too big. He's too big for the bull. Too big for the bull. Yeah. Okay. Make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's have some caller inners.
Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hi there, Dum Dummers. Jacqueline Berto from Sanguen here. Um, I saw that you were recording a bit early this week, so I thought I'd send something from the two or maybe three episodes I've listened to in quick catch-up mode this afternoon. <clears throat> I was very touched by Kate and Debbie's little conversation. I love hearing Tamsin Gray. I think she's fabulous in everything that she does, but also to have her come back and be Debbie. And Debbie, she's a really smooth Debbie. Upon the whole conversation... I didn't know that she couldn't have children. I must have missed something, or maybe this is the first time we're hearing of it. And then her offer to invest in Kate. I just hope that Kate won't be a silly twerp and mess it all up. Oh, a P.S., because I'm so excited today, I forgot to mention it before. I might actually be your official first real, real French person. I've had a letter from the minister today welcoming me to to France nationality. And so now I am really and truly, well, actually from the 24th of June, but I've only just got the letter. Emily, my daughter and I are now officially French. Isn't that exciting? Bye. Take care. Keep up the good work. Jacqueline Berthaud, we have to give her félicitations, which is not easy Mm -hmm. to say when you've had a pint and a half of pedigree. Um, She is now French. Officially French. Very good. Well done, Jacqueline. Um, She described Debbie as smooth. And I think that is a very uh, accurate description of, of Debbie. Summed her up beautifully. And I did think when Debbie said goodbye to Brian, who it was interesting, once she once Brian had given in and said, yes, all right, I will let Adam take over the world, Debbie immediately called him dad. And mm. I think she uses that as a kind of a love you really do what I say and everything will be all right sort of thing. Um, And he said, look after yourself. And she said, I always do. And I think she always does, for which we can only commend her. Uh, But, yes, she's so good, Debbie. She's a proper proper grown-up. She's a consummate politician, isn't she? Yeah. She knows how to work... Uh, so she worked Adam and Brian this week. Yeah. Uh, gave him just about enough carrot. Well, she was giving Adam literally pure carrot all the way, but there's enough carrot and stick with Brian anyway to yeah. get Brian to make the decision which she wanted, which she believes is in the best interest of the farm, but also in the best interest of her sibling. And she yeah. realizes that you know he's not getting any younger, and he needs yeah. uh, you know he he needs the he needs basically to take over the farm now, and that Brian does need to uh, move aside. So no, no, it was a consummate performance, and um, it's a shame she's going because I genuinely thought there's going to be something, some kind of triangle between her and Ian, no, yeah. her and um, God, Adam. Her, no, her and Charlie. Oh, I see, and Adam. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Though she did, uh, she has worked it out, hasn't she? Yeah, she has. And she didn't. She didn't make a fuss. She just talked about how devastating those kind of things are, which was, you know, again the consummate politician. Yes. I think she should stand for chair of uh, stand for leader. <laughs> I'd vote for her easily. Um, Claire from Scotland via Canada. Claire from Scotland via Canada here with a call I've been meaning to make for you for ages. And I was only reminded I've been meaning to make it when Royfield asked, um, why is it that Ruth irritates so many listeners? She doesn't actually irritate me as much as I think she irritates quite a lot of people. 
But what does get on my nerves particularly is the fact that she is perpetually caught out surprised by um, the existence of things like dinner and having to cook for it. And she is forever reminding me of a scene in Eleanor Lippmann's My Latest Grievance wherein the daughter turns to her mother, who is meant to be some kind of liberal lunatic, and says, Mama's grand's coming to dinner. I've got instructions from the butcher on how to roast this chicken. And her mother says, what do you mean you've got instructions from the butcher? I could have shown you how to roast a chicken. She says, we never have done. And her mother says, no, well, I suppose if we'd had a son, we probably would have taught him how to darn socks and how to cook a chicken. We didn't want you to feel femininity was defined by knowing how to cook. And at that point, I did something I very rarely do with a book, and I chucked it across the room and shouted, knowing how to cook isn't failing at feminism, it's a basic life skill. And I frequently feel that way about Ruth. I feel they worked so hard at making her into the farmer rather than the farmer's wife that they've kind of forgotten to round her out in other areas. Uh, similarly, I, I quite like Christine, and I did think that scene baking worked. Lucy, I don't know, you were clearly not as territorial as I am about a kitchen. I found it excruciating to listen to because Peggy was being an incredibly interfering baker. And had it been me, I would have chucked her out of the kitchen. Which is, incidentally, why I shall never leave with any of the friends I have made, because we are all equally territorial about our kitchens. Looking forward to London, loving the podcast as ever. Take care. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ruth is continually surprised by the existence of the everyday. And I think she's absolutely right, and she's put her... She's put her finger on it when she says they were so keen to make Ruth a farmer, they forgot to also make her a rounded person. <laughs> and that's absolutely right. I really, really think that. And I am so with you about uh, knowing how to cook is a basic life skill. It's nothing to do with being male or female or whatever else. Just learn to cook so you can not die. You can survive. Um, and being territorial in the kitchen. Yes, I have to say that is me. And I always think that no matter how, who, you know, how much you love somebody, uh, whether it's a friend or a partner or whatever, if you're in or a boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're in their kitchen, there will always come a point, no matter how admiring you are of them, when you find yourself saying, well, that's a bloody stupid place to keep the spoons. There is always <laughs> other people's kitchens could be so better or so much better, so so better organised if if you were allowed to do it. But you're not. You just have to sit on your hands and you say, where do you keep the strainers? And they say, here. And you go, no, because it's obviously a really thick place to keep them and they'd be much better off somewhere else. But you have to just go, mm, OK. So, yes, uh, I see you. I take her point about uh, Peggy and Christine trying to bake, coexist and bake. It's a tricky business. Like you ever do it. What, bake? No, I'm sure you do, but you don't coexist and bake. I imagine you shove everybody out of the kitchen and you just sit there with pom-poming away to whatever podcast you're listening to and everything. But I bet no one's allowed to talk to you or distract you or come in or do anything. No, 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 no. I, I can easily share my space with, with just about anyone, to be honest with you. <laughs> you haven't tried to share it with me. <laughs> I'd be moving everything, driving you mad. <laughs> Who's next? Hello, I'm Calypso Archibald from Australia, and I would just like to say that Brian should not have been discussing Adam with Charlie. It was entirely unprofessional, and he needs to keep family farm business within the family. And he especially should not be mouthing off about private matters to people that they may do business with in the future. He was bang out of order. He was. And in fact, I listened to her call and then in this episode, Debbie said to Brian, what do you mean you've discussed Adam with Charlie? Uh, so she's clearly of the same mind 
But yes, it hadn't. Had, I knew it was making me feel uncomfortable for some reason, but I couldn't quite identify why. But it is that. It's just it's massively unprofessional, isn't it? Incredibly unprofessional and just disloyal because yeah. ultimately um, it's a family business. Yeah. And yeah. should, you know, and any disagreement should be kept behind closed yeah. doors. Now, I understand Brian's frustration in one way in that Adam uh, cancelled the May's contract with Charlie before at least yeah. notifying uh, yeah. Brian. And, and that was wrong. But Brian's role really is to be older and wiser counsel. Yeah. And there is absolutely no way that he should be speaking to anybody outside of the family about this. It's one thing to speak to David. That's extended family. Uh, but, you know, but really to say, do you think he's gone bonkers to Charlie? Mm -hmm. It was bang out of order. Mm. And actually, I don't, the consummate businessman that Brian is, I don't really believe that he would actually do that in real life. Oh, but, I think he would, because Brian is all about the ego. And well, his ego has been dented. Well, in terms of this storyline, um, you understood the reason why it was done in terms of storyline, because he went to people who he respects as farmers and as business people, Debbie... Uh, David and Charlie and all of them said actually we might not necessarily necessarily agree with absolutely everything that Adam's talking about but he's a bloody good farmer and he's not stupid mm. so he realized that he he was kind of snookered so to speak and that ev that he was and he even said it on Friday's episode didn't he, he I'm, I'm in a minority of one here that everybody mm. just thinks that Adam um, is is absolutely the right person to be running the farm so I have to relent when when Adam and Brian talk to each other, I don't get any sense that they're family. Uh, Adam seems to have no... You can hear a genuine sense of affection With between Debbie, Debbie and Brian uh, underneath this kind of frustration, you know, this sort of exasperation. Oh, Brian, you know. But with Adam, there is nothing like that. There's no you know what at I, all. I, I agree. I agree. But I actually think it's frostier on Adam's side towards Brian. Yes. Yeah. You know, because Brian yeah. plays it with a pretty straight bat with Kate as well. Yeah. He's not like, oh, Kate, really, really happy to see you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but Kate is his child. No. no. Yeah, but still, um, Adam's going to be his adopted son or mm. what, whatever the heck, mm. stepson. Uh, but, and, and, but Debbie isn't. You know, Debbie's in his biological no. child and he yeah. thinks a son sounds out of a proverbial. Yeah, yeah. But I actually think that it's Adam who is frostier towards him. And yeah. and I think ever since he's come back into it in the, in the mid-2000s, he's just thought, you are stopping me from running this place. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. And maybe now that Brian... And I think he, he took a long time to get over the whole Rory thing as well. He, Did even he? though it wasn't him that discovered it, it was, it was, he's definitely team Jenny, isn't he? Mm. Well, oh, definitely, because it's his mother as well. But, mm. but Adam's been great with Rory, though, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah but I think, I think, I think he suddenly saw Brian's potential to hurt Jenny and he doesn't, he lost all sort of trust in him then. Mm. You could well be right. Maybe I need to go back and listen to those uh, episodes. It, was, it is like 10 years ago now, mm. isn't it? It, yeah. it, is, it is some time. I think they're on the website, the BBC, uh, the Archers website at the minute. Um, Debbie finding out about Siobhan. Let's go back and listen to him. Okay. Very good. Very good. Who's next, Lucy? 
Uh, Yokel Bear. Hello, Dumb to Dumb. It's Yokel Bear here calling from Deepest Yokelshire. I've quite enjoyed this week on The Archers. I've really liked Debbie being back. I had a bit of a problem at first just simply because <laughs> I associate her so much with her character in Black Books, of which I'm a big fan, that I kept expecting her to say, Oh, Bernard, and then Bill Bailey to appear from somewhere. Um, but she's been great. I mean, she's cut through all the crap hasn't she you know straight in there with brian what the hell you're doing giving adam a bit of a chance now i'm not a big fan of adam but he does deserve a chance to have his way of doing things i think it's going to be interesting i think she's been brought back by the script writers to kind of set up a plot line where brian retires and then completely fails to cope with retirement. Um, I don't know. I can't see him letting go, you see. Even if he retires, it's not going to be like Pat and Tony. It's not going to be, hey, we've had a great holiday and now we're retired and it's great. Brian's going to really struggle with it if that happens. Yeah, I think Charlie's getting a bit more rounded out as a character. Um, I particularly loved that exchange between him and Debbie when they first met each other. It was just joyous. The timing, the the, the barbed comments. Mm, really, really enjoyed that. Okay, bye. Yoko, about you and I need to go out for a drink because we agree on everything. I can't listen to Debbie without thinking. Well, you agree that Swindon is the greatest city put on <laughs> God's earth. He's now renamed it Yokel Bear Lamb or something. <laughs> um, yes, I just associate it with black books and I just see her sitting there with lipstick smeared all over her face and a fag hanging out the corner of her mouth. Um, but yes, uh, yes, but basically Yokel Bear and I agree on absolutely everything. So everything he said is what I think. So there we are. We don't need to go into that anymore. Thanking you. <laughs> Greetings, Dumpty Dummers. It's Andrew Horn here. Not been in touch for a couple of weeks because I haven't really been bothered. Not with you, my friends, but with uh, with the archers. Not much to spark imagination. Still all about generational change at Brooker's Bridge Farm and Home Farm, each dealing with it in their own way. But what's happening with the real story? Rob and Helen are away on holiday. Why isn't Charlie rifling through Rob's drawers at Barrow Farm trying to find the elusive phone numbers and email addresses so we can bring a conclusion to Culvert Gate? That's what I want to be listening to. I'm really enjoying Diplomat Debbie uh, and the way she switches uh, from a subtle approach to a more direct approach and uh, trying to to get Adam and uh, Brian on side and deal with Charlie. I'm not sure she really is flirting with him properly. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I think she's toying with him like a cat and a mouse, and he seems to be... Uh, a bit powerless in front of her. That's all much fun. And now coming back to Ruth, topic for the last few weeks. Why does everyone, except Witherspoon, dislike Ruth? And I I don't think it's that people dislike her. My view is it's her accent. She just sounds like a perpetual whinge bag. She opens her mouth and it's a drain, a drone, whinge, whinge, whinge. That's what I don't like about Ruth. Anyway, uh, this is Friday, so looking forward to tomorrow. Um, Hoping it won't be too wet as we trek across London. Uh, Lucy, you can take the weather with you on holiday and lose it somewhere in the sea. And speak to you all soon. Um, Andrew Horn wants to know, why isn't Charlie rifling through Rob's drawers in an effort to put an end to Culvert Gate? I think Charlie's trying to fight everyone else off rifling through his drawers, to be honest. There was more sexual tension this week with Kate getting all breathless and Debbie sort of sparring this faux kind of uh, faux, I'm very cross with you, you know, business. Um, I'm starting to feel quite sorry for Charlie by the end of it. Um, But yes, we need to have an end to this bloody Stefan thing, don't we? And I can't believe that Charlie is not above a bit of skullduggery. And I really think that if I had an employee like Rob, who was as shifty as Rob, and Rob went away for a week, I would be in there like buggery trying to hack his email and everything else. Mm. That makes me sound dead professional, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) And Goddess Diva. Congratulations, Goddess Diva. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Goddess Diva here, back from the wilds of Dorset, where I got ended up with a damaged back and engaged. So one rule, one yay. Because of damaged back and painkillers, I've not really been able to keep my edge straight, so I wrote some notes about this week's The Archers and see if they make any sense now. Kirsty, welly-wanging. Whoa. Lizzie lost her purity hanky when she used it to mop up her ground sheet. I think I was being quite rude. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Jennifer is happy to watch Brian smash stuff with his balls. So, Tom and Kirsty, a study in awkward and a study in Kirsty being bloody marvellous and... Brian, talking to Brian, he cannot be allowed to retire. He just can't. He would be nightmare. All he would do is moan at Kate, put beef paste on her tofu and tell her how useless she is. And we all know how useless she is. We don't need that to be his raison d'etre. So no, Brian cannot be allowed to retire. And Jill's raspberry jam! What? How can she get so fucking excited over raspberry jam? Seriously. Oh, I'm talking about seriously. Bloody piss off, Kenton. You're getting right on my nerves now. Everybody's trying with you and you've got on my last nerve. I've got no more blooming patience. I'm finding it hard to read my own handwriting out. Bloody love, Debbie. Yes, bloody love, Debbie. Hooray! Hurry up and piss off to Brazil, Pip. Yep. What music is Usha and Ruth listening to when when Usha goes up to bloody Pruda, Newcastle, wherever she's blooming gone? It's the blooming Archers, not a 40s detective film, toots. It was all a little bit nice, jazz club. 
So, yeah, that's my ramblings, my painkillered ramblings. Hopefully I'll be less off my tits next week. And I have to say, I will speak to you next week. Goddess Diva out. Two lots of congratulations this week. Is this the first Dum De Dum nuptials? It is. Oh, no, no, John the First. No, John the First. But he's not married yet, see. Okay. So it depends when. Wait a minute. Have you had your official invite for John the First's wedding? No. Me either. I bought my hat, obviously. Wait a minute. Should we revoke his his night night ship? We could, yeah. I think I think he should he can be the honourable John until he until he, he I think on. just call him just bloody John. Bloody you John. Know, just bloody John. Until he issues forth knighthood, with the invitations. Absolutely knighthood. And we want the revoked. full sit down dinner. We're not having any of that buffet nonsense. Absolutely. And we I want cold be... smoked salmon <laughs> with some mayonnaise that's on the turn and a bit of watercress <laughs> and a pavlova. As that is what you eat at a wedding. Obs. I want to be there for the ceremony too. Do I you... always feel short-changed if I'm told just to come come for food or the, or the disco. <laughs> if I'm going to a wedding, I want the whole kit and caboodle. Don't palm me off with just the disco. Do you know what I mean, though, Lucy? Nobody wants to palm you off, right? Good. Don't worry. Good. Particularly not at a wedding. Uh, yes, she says, piss off Kenton and hurrah, Kirsty is back. <laughs> um, yeah, the music was very odd in that wine bar. I don't know. I don't know what sort of, I don't know. Well, I can't imagine that Ruth knows shit from Chinola when it comes to, you know, picking good venues to meet. There are several people I would trust to pick a suitable, uh, you know, bar. Probably Kira would be more likely to do it than Ruth. That's a bit harsh. But, you know, (laughs) have you ever been to Jesmond? No. It's very nice. Is it? Just outside of this. Have you not? No. No, it's it's very, it's it's a very appealing place. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's very pretty, you know, kind of down by the river. It's the bridges across the gates. It's very pretty. But Jesmond is just north of the city centre and it's kind of where all the... uh, slightly more grown-up bars are because, my God, does that town get rowdy at the weekend. Ah, yeah. okay. It's bonkers rowdy. So that's why they wouldn't meet up in the centre? Oh, God, no. You, you okay. meet, somebody like Ruth would be in Jesmond. Okay, mm. right. Right. Uh, they get it all right like that. It's good, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, they kind of do their research. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's what it is, <laughs> Lucy. <laughs> you know, to be fair... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we do pay, you know, 145 pounds a year for them to get this stuff right. Yeah. Mm. Every penny of it well spent. Absolutely. That. Ah. So that's it for Lay Calls. Mm, no emails? Uh, no. Oh, Fifi Fanshawe. Oh, let's have a touch of Fifi right now then. Hello, Fifi Fanshawe here. And over the past couple of weeks, like many others, Kate Aldridge has got so far up my nose, I'm going to need diner on to get her out again. I've just been forced to put pen to paper. Kate Aldridge, do I hate her? No need to stop and think. I'd stuff her down the waste disposal in her mother's sink. I'd hit her with a poker, choke her, smoke her like a kipper. Strap her to the rails of Blackpool Pleasure Beach, Big Dipper. Suffocate her with a cushion, pillows, duvets, rocks. I'd make her eat both Joe and Eddie Grundy's unwashed socks. Encase her head in concrete, chuck her in the river am, beat her round the temples with a frozen leg of lamb. Throw her like poor Nigel off the lower Loxley roof, ensure that she got trampled under raging bovine hoof. 
Fire her from a cannon over lakey hills, treetops. Fill her flapping mouth with hydrochloric acid drops. Bash her head on Kenton's until one of them saw sense. If not, then nail them both to Brookfield's best electric fence. Use her for an anvil in Blacksmith Carter's forge. Make sure she was buried somewhere deep as Cheddar Gorge. Feed her so much laxative she'll spout crap from both ends. Shove her in a Kenwood chef and watch her as she blends. Take her on safari and leave her out as bait. Just make the bitch stop talking. Oh, God, how I hate Kate. I hate Kate too. No, but I, but I love to hate her. But we've said this before. Right, so uh, let's take a quick five-minute break, come back with a touch of Millie, and then go into our hashtag, The Archers Tweets of the Week. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Fancy getting your mouth round something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Um, my name is Kate. My name's Joe. My name's Nicola. My name is Suzanne Hakimi. My name is Mary Parkinson. I'm in Hope House as a client. Um, I have had addiction issues um, throughout my House, life, um, um, including an eating disorder, heroin, crack, um, addiction drink, to drugs, methadone, and alcohol. I'm here because it got really bad. Hope House started off as an eight-bed unit in Maida Vale, and um, we're an all-women unit. I had read an article about Hope House some months before, and when I read about it, what I read or what I took away from the article was that this was a place where women worked to help other women. Coming soon to iTunes, 1001 Conversations, a new podcast from Royfield Brown. Good day, everyone. It's Millie Bell here. Just want to start with a wonderful post from the wonderful Rupert Brown on our Facebook page. And it's uh, the Ambridge English Dictionary. Defecate, to drop oneself deeply in the shit. Deprecate, to tell somebody useless they are useless. Domesticate, an extremely unlikely occurrence similar to once in a blue moon. Educate, failing to complete a course. Eradicate, to eliminate an unpleasant pest. Fabricate, to make up excuses for one's failings. Fornicate, the result of mixing equal parts of mature woman, young man and alcohol in a swimming pool, garnished with rattle. Indelicate, the act of entering the bedroom of a teenager without first seeking permission. Intoxicate, the direct result of lubrication and medication. Lubricate, to drink expensive wine in the belief that it will make you easier to get along with. Medicate, to drink expensive wine in the belief that it will cure social ineptitude. Prevaricate, to put off writing a business plan and go horse riding. Suffocate, 
the consequences of all the air in a room being consumed by someone's self-pity. Truncate to cut short a relationship. Vacate when the source of an unpleasant atmosphere leaves the room and finally vindicate the belief usually brought about by drinking expensive wine that one was right all along. That's absolutely wonderful and I do hope you managed to post that onto our website, Rupert, and if you can't, let me know and I'll do it for you. We asked you if you could tell us about someone who's influenced your life. Rosie Cross said her friend and fellow artist enthusiast, Alex, who famously told her to defrost Frau Cross, that is, stop being such a pessimist from time to time, and also Dolly Parton, who is also an all-round legend, whose music and rhinestones remind me to do said defrosting and that it's okay to look completely OTT if it takes your fancy. Doug Font said, Captain Robert Walbridge set me on the path that i followed for the past seven years. Jacqueline Bertho said, Mr. Barnby, my junior school teacher for the last two years at Allison Drive Juniors, who through bullying sharp works with a ruler and the slipper forced me to learn my tables, alternative words for get and got, and how to mix washing up liquid with powder paint for a better effect. All skills which I've been trying to use for the last 50 years. Vicky Berry said, Tony Benn, he gave a speech at my student union in 1982 which completely opened my eyes and showed me how political decisions and government policy directly affected me and what was happening in my life. It sounds obvious, but when you're 19 and very naive, it isn't. Then came the minor strike in Greenham Common, neither of which I would have really understood or supported if it hadn't been for him putting it all in context. Mark Everton, not only is he my teacher, says D. Leary, but he's also my friend and mutually assured destruction partner, and he also introduced me to my fiance, oh, and also to the archers. Well, that was lucky. And Claire Steep said, Miss Allfoot was the first formal music teacher I had, and I hold her single-handedly responsible for introducing me to the opera by way of a very bad VHS production of Carmen, insisting against all odds that I was indeed a soprano, shoving masses of German down my throat and landing me with a love of all things leader as a result, and writing one of the references that brought me to St Andrews. As if all of that weren't enough, she insisted I would someday write something meaningful and generally gave me much of the confidence I am possessed of as a result. I still haven't written something meaningful, but I plan to. Absolutely fantastic, and I do feel as though we're getting to know you very well. We also asked you, if you had to give one sage piece of advice to an Ambridge resident, what would it be? And you had a range of answers. Sue Hopkinson said David should get rid of the fair brethren before it's too late. Vicky Berry said, Pip, put them away, dear. Less is more. Rosie Cross said she would tell Helen it is perfectly okay to have a job and a child. It is perfectly okay to dress exactly how you want to dress. It is perfectly okay to have friends round without consulting your partner first. These are parts of a normal, healthy relationship. Stephen Porter wants to tell Kenton to just chill out and lighten up. Everything is going to be fine. Heidi Griffith says she wants to tell David to take those rose-tinted glasses off where Pip is concerned. She's a lazy mare who ought to be pulling her weight more around Brookfield. M. Johnson would tell Kate to get a job. To work for yourself is worth far more than money from Dad. Jack Rice said, Kenton, grow up and take some responsibility for your situation and recognise that those around you want to help you, not patronise you. Andrew White wants Pip to know that those brothers are swine. Andrea Melling would tell Helen to run. 
More advice for Kenton? Stop whining and grow some and the rest of his family stop trying to talk him round. Leave him alone and he'll be back because he won't be in the centre of attention anymore. Andrew Horn wants to tell Adam to forget Charlie. Ian is ten times the man he is. And Mark Everton says, Adam, back off mister because Charlie's mine. Becky Land said, Charlie, if you are thinking of pursuing another of Brian's offspring, do it somewhere Adam can't see. Like Hungary. Peter Mabbott said, to any character, do not go on holiday. You may come back a very different person. Kate Newey would advise Hayley to come back to Ambridge and save her daughter from her daughter's mother. And Kate should read Batoli Breck's Caucasian Chalk Circle. Not that she'd realise why it was applicable. Andy Bent also has advice for Adam. You need to make your mind up what you feel for Charlie. Tell him stop messing the poor sod about and stop treating your hubby as an emotional insurance policy in case you get left on your own rather than someone you want to be with. You can't spit your dummy out because Charlie wants you to keep on growing maize, flounce back to hubby, then start running interference when somebody else flirts with Charlie. And I'm going to give the last piece of advice from Witherspoon, P. McCosh Wilson, the 35th. These are all excellent pieces of advice. It seems that the residents of Ambridge are in great need of our help. So his advice is that they should all start listening to Dumpty Dum. And on that note, I should say, hooroo! Lucy, 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 hit us with your top tweets. Polar Dog 56. Would Ruth's mum please shuffle off this mortal coil and make <laughs> way for a younger, more interesting subplot? <laughs> oh, well, her entire life and death has just been, has just been, um, you know, uh, denigrated to the role of subplot. Uh, old Bod said, "I swear, my wife listens to the Archers podcast in the shower just so I don't try and join her." <laughs> just made me laugh. And now this, I couldn't make this. Uh, tweet of the week because no one else might think it was funny but I just thought it was there was something about it that very much appealed to me now I can't pronounce Seard uh, uh, Pontier I don't know how you pronounce it but it was obviously in the middle of a, of a strident conversation with lots of other archers people and it was the most Alan Bennett thing I've ever heard he basically what he said Jenny had four children by three fathers. I think she knows how to make cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most single, <sighs> most English innuendo I have ever heard. <laughs> when I see somebody nice looking up, I bet he knows how to make cocoa. <laughs> um, Elizabeth Bangs said, if this is a Pip goes for right brother, wrong brother storyline, it would help if we A, cared, and B, knew which was which. <laughs> I yes. still have no idea. I actually don't know which is Rex and which is Toby. When when they're saying, oh, hello, Toby, and the other one answers, which is Rex, I still don't know, Lucy. <laughs> there was quite a lot of uh, Twitter chat after the bit where um, uh, Toby kissed uh, Pip. Uh, with people going, who was that? What was what's going on? Someone said that wasn't Brian, was it? And <laughs> <laughs> it's a stick. Um, Lucy, yes. yeah. Can I interject? You can. You didn't make what reference to the kiss, did you? No. Why is that? Um, because a it annoyed me, and b it wasn't really anything. 
it needs to develop some more because if she has got the slightest iota of sense, which I'm beginning to think she hasn't, she will just dismiss it as he is the type of bloke that does that with pretty much, you know, he tries it on with every woman he meets. So she'll hopefully just think, yeah, dick, and then move on to somebody else or go, get on with her life and go to Brazil and all that. Uh, if if it then transpires that she is an absolute banana and is going to change her plans because of him, then, and not before then, will I address it. All right? I've been told. <laughs> I have been told. What did you think of it? Um... It was suitably ambiguous in that it obviously wasn't a full-on snog. No. But you don't know if he gave uh, a lingering one on the lips or a lingering mm. one on the cheek. Yeah. You don't know. No. All you know is that he's done it deliberately just to, to mess with her head a little. Yeah. And her head has been messed with a little. But you don't know how full-on yeah. that kiss actually was. Yeah. Yeah. Which takes us nicely into Tweet of the Week. Ooh. Which was John is got a very catchy Twitter handle, John Cav two o nine two two three four two, said, David, <laughs> did you sleep with my daughter Toby? Not a wink, mate. Not a wink. <laughs> very good, and was exactly the kind of slimy git thing that Toby would say. You sure it was Toby, not Rex? No, it was Toby. Okay. So you actually do know who's who? I do. And now I know. Yeah, it took a while. Yeah. I still don't like Charlie and Tom talking to each other, though. <laughs> <sighs> right. We've gone through this at a proper clip. This is good, yeah. Lucy. This is good. I'll have to do the next show on pedigree, haven't I? Except we record at nine o'clock in the morning, so it might not be such a good idea. <laughs> might knock out the rest of the day. We wouldn't want that. Lucy? Yep. I've had a whole load of fun with you this week. <laughs> now, I thought last week was a little bit strained. Didn't you feel the tension between us last week? No. Should I have done? No. Because so, yeah, you are the talent, sometimes, you know, your your mood can be a little bit kind of, and sometimes a bit, you know, uh, but you are the talent. So I just got to treat you kind of with kid gloves. But you've been an absolute joy this week. So thank you for that, Lucy. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> you've left me absolutely nowhere to go now. Haven't you? you just reversed me up a really, really narrow alleyway, and now I'm stuck. Hard <laughs> for that. No, you know I love you every week. Uh, but anyway, folks, go to dumdydum.com to try our new website, where you can comment on the shows, and where you, good listener, can go and create your own little bit of dumdydum by creating a profile and an article on anything archers related. Now dumdydum.com news uh, there is a forum and the forum needs your contribution to Rupert Brun's excellent, I say fantabulously excellent Ambridge English Dictionary here are just three funny entries abdicate to deny all responsibility for the consequences of one's actions authenticate the act of proving you are who you say you are by acting entirely as those who know you predicted you would and communicate Shouting, stop, wait, listen to people who are running away from you with their fingers in their ears. 
<laughs> there are loads of these that Rupert did and other people are joining in and adding things to our Ambridge English Dictionary. So please go on to dumdy.com and hit forum to add away. Also, we have a contribution from our very own Cosmo, who's now doing summaries of the podcast on every show. So you have even more reason to hit on our show pages, folks, uh, to see Cosmo's contribution. And then you can also uh, comment on that as well. So thank you, Cosmo, for for joining our team. And oh, nice. Oh, no. Is a proper brick, is our Cosmo. He is. He is. Now, you can go on to patreon.com, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com, forward slash dum-dum, where you can support the show for about $2 uh, an episode, which is about pound thirty. And you can also donate to the show by going to our site and hitting that donate button. Oh, and we saw Claire. Claire from Scotland by Canada. Yay! Yes, yes, yes. With her super duper hoodie. Uh, looking very, very lovely. And I'm going to be meeting her tomorrow. She's coming along to the do. You're meeting everybody. Uh, I'm meeting... Who else are we meeting tomorrow? Oh, I'll tell you who I'm meeting tomorrow. It's quite easy to tell you who I'm meeting tomorrow. What you do, Lucy, whilst I'm talking to you, mm. I go onto a thing called the Book of Face and then I click on who's going and then it tells me. Karen Rudd, Denise Tomlinson... Angela Nagel, uh, Witherspoon, Paul Wee. Charles Wilkins, Nancy Dickey, Vicky Berry, Catherine O'Sullivan, Andrew Horn, Sarah Hydes, Jennifer Preston, Catherine Kavanagh, Mark Everton, Catherine Richards, Kate Nichols, Claire Steep, and Alison Jones. And Sarah Hydes, hubby. Hmm. And Paul Charles Wilkins is bringing a pal. It's going to be most awesome. But it's not going to be a full Dumpty Dum do. Can't have Dumpty Dum without you. I'm going to be in Cheshire trying to make my dog wear a life jacket. <laughs> Do you foresee that being a big problem? Well, we've already done a dry run, so to speak, and I got his cock caught in the Velcro. So now he's got his what caught in the Velcro? Cock. His penis. Mm. Oh, so, wow. now he's so now he's developed a mortal fear of the life jacket. <laughs> The understandable, really. Yeah. <sighs> so I'm going to be, if anyone is in the Nantwich region and hears a high-pitched screaming noise, it'll either be me or the dog. I'm not sure which. <sighs> but you carry on. You carry on with your with your drinking and your, and your carousing in West London. I'll be fine. We will. Yeah, I know you bloody will. And we will send pictures and we will tweet about it to our heart's content. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of the dog in a life jacket <laughs> and his penis caught in a bit of velcro please don't <laughs> you can call us folks oh have we done the speak pipe thing got to remember uh, yes it. we have Ooh. well everyone knows anyway don't they go to speak pipe and talk into it there you go or you can and call you us can up. call 0203031315 leave a message though no one ever does anymore no other than your friend no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or you can find us on the Twitters where we're at Dumpty Dum. Or you can tweet me at Royfield. And as everybody knows how that's spelt. Or Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith. You're not on Twitter anymore, Lucy. Nah. That's a damn lie. Well, I'm on it, but I don't use it anymore. I've just got bombarded with spam. I'm fed up with it. Really? Yeah. It's like, 
It says, you have got seven new followers and they're all ladies with their boobs out telling me that they're bisexual and if I follow them, they'll follow me back immediately. And they've all got unlikely names like Astral Vent and things like that. And I think, mm, you're not real. Because mm. they might be, mightn't they? Maybe I just hold a certain fascination for bisexual, large-chested ladies called Astral Vent. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe this is something I should capitalise on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sending in pictures of that. <laughs> what time do you leave tomorrow? Crack of Sparrow Fart. Good. Six, I think. Well, you'll probably need to continue with your packing. I will. I'm going to continue with my pedigree. I'm going to drink myself into a stupor and then just come to it at six o'clock in the morning with everybody shouting at me, probably. <laughs> <sighs> I will develop some enthusiasm for this trip. I will, I will, I will. Good. Mm. Mm. What uh, are you going to do while I'm away, apart from have fun with all our friends? Um, do, having some drinks with Witherspoon on Monday. Uh, it's my nephew's 25th. Sorry, it's my nephew's 21st on Sunday. So that's a bit of a family do. And I think... I might then go to Birmingham on Tuesday for a few days. Keep my head down. Oh, what are you planning on doing at your nephew's 21st that requires you to go into isolation for the rest of the week? I think you've missed out a valuable bit of information, which I just told you. I'm going, I'm having cocktails with, uh, with a spoon on Monday. And then you're running away to hide in them. Aha. Okay. Well, that makes more sense then. There you go. Does with a spoon know what to expect? He does. Okay. And I'm sure I'm going to disappoint him massively. (laughs) I'm sure you won't. I will. Lucy (laughs) V. Freeman, goodbye. (coughs) Goodbye. See you next week. See you. Bye. Bye bye, love. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 